This is the Lady Landlords Podcast, and I am your host, Becky Nova. This podcast is for women looking to achieve financial independence through real estate investing. Let's get this episode going. Hello, Lady Landlords. This is Becky Nova, your host of the Lady Landlords Podcast. Today, we are bringing to you one of our member spotlights, and we are going to be having a conversation with Debrina, who's actually been one of like the OGs in Lady Landlords. Um, so I'm so happy to have her on. Debrina, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. <laughs> Good. Well, I have enjoyed being able to kind of watch your journey since we first met last summer, and now a, year, a little over a year later, there's been so much that you have done within real estate investing that I was so happy when you agreed that we can be able to really share what you've gone through and hopefully just inspire some other women to kind of get out there. Um, there is clearly the one big topic that I definitely am going to want to discuss with you, but why don't you just start off by sharing a little bit about you personally and your life with our listeners today? Sure. So hi, everyone. I'm Debrina. I am a wife and a mother to two kids. My boys are 10 years apart. So I always like to joke that, you know, they're just a few years apart. <laughs> um, um, so it's, I have a teenager and a toddler. So very interesting scenarios at home. But um, I also, um, I work in high tech. I am from New York, born and raised mm -hmm. in New York, um, but I do live in California and I've lived in California now for about seven years. Um, so I recently, do you want me to start by talking about my real estate journey and kind of yeah. started with that a little Absolutely. bit? Absolutely. What I would love to hear people say is what brought you to real estate? You can invest in a ton yeah. of different things. What made you say, you know what, real estate investing is the path for me? Sure. So I vacationed in Myrtle Beach for 10 years uh, of, of my life. And I always refer to the beach as really my happy place. Um, you know, I feel like I'm most calm um, and just relaxed at the beach. Me too, 100%. <laughs> right? So um, COVID hit and um, I had a lot of time at home. And um, it, it was a lot of time to really think. Um, mm -hmm. I think that we can all agree this wasn't something that we would have even expected to experience really in our lifetimes, quite Never. honestly. No um, way. So with that, with that experience, I said, you know, you never know, like life is really short, you know, and I always wanted to own a property on that beach. Mm -hmm. And um, I said, you know what? I'm just gonna go for it. Like, let me just see what's out there. And um, essentially, that's how I got into real estate in investing. Um, so, so you're living out in California. Now, when you say that you were you vacationed in Myrtle Beach, were you traveling from California or was this when you lived on the East Coast that you'd go to Myrtle Beach? So when I lived on the East Coast, I was definitely going frequently. And then even in California, when I moved to California, really? I actually still go there because I spent quite a bit of time on the East Coast with my family. And again, it's always just been my place. Yeah. Um, so, and I wanted that to also become my family's place and my kids' places and stuff like that. So we did still vacation there actually. Okay. Yeah. So okay. was that, so by <laughs> being a person that had visited that spot so many times, was that then how you were able to identify an area or a realtor or kind of walk me through how 
you now are doing this long distance, like investing, right? That's what I love so much yeah. about your story. So how did you decide, like, this is the area that I'm going to look in, or this is the person yeah. I'm going to work with? So this was all very blind faith. Let me say that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Where I typically vacation in Myrtle Beach is Surfside Beach. So mm -hmm. that was um, quite a, a little bit of a distance away, let's say 30 minutes from where my property actually is. So blindly one day, I just started researching. I, I know exactly what happened actually. So I found this property and I said, I like this property. It was at Surfside Beach and I reached out to that particular real estate agent. Did you find the property online or when you were there visiting? I found the property on like a realtor.com. Okay, gotcha. So on the internet. On the internet um, during COVID and um, literally at the beginning of, the, uh, of COVID, pretty much or okay. towards the beginning. So um, I found that realtor with the property and I decided to reach out and say I was interested in the property. And I knew around about where it was based on my vacationing. And mm -hmm. the property was already not available at that point. And that particular realtor recommended, said, you know, asked me like, well, what are you looking for in a property? I said, well, you know, I think for my family, I need to at least have two bedrooms, two baths. Um, and I said, it has to be oceanfront. Like, that's all I care about. I remember saying to my husband, you all may not have a place to sleep because we might end up with a studio, but that's okay. It's going to be oceanfront. You can sleep on exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I cared about that it was ocean mm -hmm. that particular real estate agent said to me okay well you know properties here don't come up too frequently in Surfside Beach but based on what you're looking for you might want to think about North Myrtle Beach very similar in profile quieter I you know I wanted something that was a little quiet not too busy and I did not want to be in a high rise that I knew mm -hmm. Because um, I always said to the real estate agents, I said, you know, I'm afraid of heights. I said, I don't like that. I so, did not know that about you. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, it's funny because when he would show me properties, he would do video tours and he has to show me the outside first. So he'll go around and he'll show me the outside of the building and everything around. He goes up, you know, and down because he Very knows. smart. I did not want to be also, I didn't want to be adjoining to any high rises either which is very tricky in that Myrtle Beach area because you okay. might be in a low rise but you might have a high rise right next to you and I said I don't want that okay so I told them that and um I kind of left that criteria and but I'll say you know I found this place on my own I I find myself to yeah. be pretty much like an avid researcher so I would look at this mm -hmm. stuff 15 20 times a day and so <laughs> I would identify places even to this day it's funny I said listen he's still looking for me which could be another conversation for a new property <laughs> and so yeah. I said to him um I said I said listen I've seen all those and he goes you know what I know that's true about you. He goes, you are different than most of my other buyers. He goes, cause you just know, he said, I would say at this point, you know, the North Myrtle area better than I do. I know mm -hmm. the comps, I know what's there and I know what's kind of the best value for people at this point, which I think is important to mention because I don't live there. I am a yeah. um, investor. Um, mm -hmm. So back to this property, I found this place and it looked great. And I said, I want it. 
Good. Right you on. knew you knew it was the right one for you, right? It was the right one from a video, a five minute video he sent me. Amazing. <laughs> of the place. Yes. <laughs> it was at any point then you were saying you were one, I love that you set your criteria first, right? So mm-hmm. then it was very easy to then say this either fits my criteria or this does not fit my criteria. So that's probably why it made it a little bit easier. But I'm sure some of our listeners are like, oh my God, like I would have been freaking out. Was there any part of you that had that nerve be like, I'm going to buy a property that I've never seen before on the other side of the country? <laughs> Did that like go through your head at all? Or were you just like, no, nah, I it knew it was going to have gone through my head a little bit more. <laughs> a little bit more, but okay. So that's Everyone great to know. Else in my life though was like, are you, are you serious? Oh, yeah. said, well, what can I do? I can't go visit it at this point. It's the height of COVID. I'm not going to get on a plane and go visit this place and do all this. I'm like, you know, this is how it has to be. It's going to be fine. I just kept saying it's going to be fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it sounds like it was, right? Yes. So when did you close on that first property in Myrtle Beach? Um, July 2020. July 2020. Okay. So now I thought it was interesting because when you talked about the realtor and kind of went over the criteria, you kind of mentioned, well, we have two kids, we need at least two bedrooms, that type of thing. But really, it doesn't seem like your intention was to use it as a vacation house really for you. This then ended up being an an investment property. So how did you go setting this up and what became your strategy for it being an investment property, especially in the middle of COVID? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's a good point because it wasn't going to be an investment property. It was, it was supposed to be for you. And that was, that was, I think the piece I had to reconcile myself with. And even something I think about a lot when I go visit that property, I have mm-hmm. to disconnect myself personally sometimes from it. Um, you know, Great. although I own it, you know, and I am, you know, the deed holder to me, I am a landlord. So it is a little bit different because that is a short-term rental, I should say. That property Mm -hmm. is a short-term rental. So what I did was I started to look into Facebook groups that can show me how to manage this property from abroad. Um, And that is where really I happened on investing. Um, So all these people that said they love the beach, they wanted a beach place, but you know what? pretty much why not have it make money when you're not there? Like how right. much is really going to be there essentially? And I said, well, this is genius. Right? <laughs> <laughs> is genius. You know, from that, I just went, I, I have to credit Facebook groups for sure. From that, I think I just got into other groups, Facebook groups and YouTube videos for sure. Yeah, I feel like taught me Besides you, Becky, of course. Yeah. Everything I know. <laughs> well, that's how you ended up finding Lady Landlords last summer when you were probably looking around for these things. And I was looking I, around. Because that's when you joined the group. It was the last summer around the time. That's when I found the group. And, and through these groups, essentially, I was able to find a team to manage that property, would manage a ton of properties and are managing a ton in Tampa, but we're looking to um, grow oh. in the Myrtle Beach market. Interesting. Okay. So that worked out for them. They were trying to expand. So that was yeah. a great opportunity for them. And then you met them in a Facebook group, right? I met them in a Facebook group. So I interest them because again, know nothing about these people to this day, to be honest with you, I've never met them. I don't know them, have <laughs> them, you know, and our conversations are via text or email. 
pretty much. Um, but yeah. for whatever reason, that's why I say my journey is really blind faith. For whatever reason, I just trusted them. <laughs> I just trusted them. Yeah. Because what I think, first of all, with investing is to really trust your intuition. Seriously. If something is telling you something may not be right, trust that, you know, for sure. Like really trust yourself, you know? Exactly. So, I so think that's, that's actually one of the best benefits that women have within real estate investing. We have such an amazing, innate gut feeling about things. Yes. And I think that really sets us apart. I think that is something that is just so unique to women that we can really have such an upper hand and an advantage when we're able to listen to our gut. And that sounds like that was really something that you were able to do in this situation and say, this is the right property. This is the right team. And then once again, that's fantastic because we do not have to meet everybody and shake hands with them in order to do business, right? And there are a ton of, I think this year was really kind of proof of concept of the work from home, of videos, how you can build relationships, how you can still work with people um, more than anything else ever before. And it seems like you were really able to thrive in that situation, but that's really amazing that you were able to say, you know, my gut's telling me that this is the right person. And then that's what we're going to do. And that's what we're going to move forward with them. Absolutely. So after that, um, I decided to, I actually met someone else in the lady landlords group um, that um, at the time was definitely, um, was managing properties in Baltimore and really Mm -hmm. had a model that seemed extremely interesting to me. So I decided, you know, let me start talking to this person. And again, my intuition, we developed the rapport pretty early on and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, this one was even more blind faith because <laughs> not, quite honestly, I don't even know that I've ever been to Baltimore. To really? No. Okay. <laughs> That's important then because before you at least knew, like you said, you knew the city, yes. you had a pretty good idea of okay, well, that's by this restaurant we went to, or, oh, yes, that one time we went to that other beach, we passed by that neighborhood. But here, you don't know one street to the next from the other. Had no clue. So, um, but regardless, I went on my gut intuition and said, again, let me leap. And Mm -hmm. um, this person had a network already set up with real estate, a real estate and um agent and things like that. And so again, this is a property that I found myself. Um, and okay. again, found myself, but didn't necessarily know the area or anything like that. But because of the model I was going for, it seemed like this worked, you know? So this was something I went and, and left yet, yet again. And I have to <laughs> say this one, my husband wasn't on board for, you know? Really? He wasn't. Why not? Um, he, I mean, I must have bought this place a month after buying the other one. So at this point, with all the Facebook groups I'm in, I mm-hmm. said, I'm going to be a mogul like these other <laughs> This is my retirement plan. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, this is it. I can do this. I'm going to have to buy this X amount of places a year so that, you know, I can retire in this five years or whatever my plan was. Yeah. Uh, he felt like, you know what? I think we should slow down here. You know, let's just because maybe wait does. 60 days exactly. before buying another property. <laughs> exactly. Because again, just a, one note back to the Myrtle Beach property, because this is COVID, the short-term rental market had taken a dive, right? Like people are not yeah. making money at this point. 
over the summer in Myrtle Beach because people were not traveling that way. So we knew we were going to have to carry this house for, we were going to have to carry that condo for probably close to a year, right? Until it started to make money. And that is something I don't think investors think about. I think you've got to sometimes, not, not all, but some, I think you have to be prepared as a beginner to have those reserves and plan for things to not necessarily go. You're, you know, you're not making money day one, essentially. Plus also with your Myrtle Beach property, right? You already said you closed that in July of 2020. So yeah. July of 2020, you're right. You couldn't even travel. That was a whole reason yeah. you were doing a short-term rental is because exactly. you yourself couldn't get to your property, right? So a lot of other people weren't able to necessarily travel. A lot of people weren't working. And I felt like July 2020, we didn't really know what was going on still. We didn't know right. if this was going to still be lasting. There were still probably last summer, a lot of other states being in New York, California, we might have started with some restrictions a little bit sooner, but that was now expanding over the summer. So right. you're right. Then- what is interesting, I know we've talked about this offline before, that really then what almost happens is Myrtle Beach is really your summer destination. So you yeah. really make your money June, July, August. So yeah. you find in July. Now, once you get to like that October, you don't have anybody that's going to look for their beach vacation, right? Yeah. So you would have to cover it until at least the next summer. And yeah. then now you're starting really your book of business, offering that's for right. the first time people coming now in spring slash summer, of 2021 that's so like right. you said that's about a year of carrying costs mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which makes a big impact so and how did you <laughs> how did you talk now your husband into getting on board with the Baltimore property well here's what was interesting with Baltimore because we knew we were going to have to it was going to be some time before we were going to make money in Myrtle Beach we had a bit a better plan for Baltimore. For Baltimore, <laughs> it was almost going to be able to rent out almost immediately. So wow. there was a time when Baltimore was paying for Myrtle Beach. So I personally, I personally have not had to be out of pocket beyond the um, closing costs Great. on my properties. Um, they have paid for each other when there are times when each were, was down yes. essentially, which I felt like was the benefit of kind of having multiple, quite honestly. So um, I think because I was able to show him that, listen, right after we close, we'll be able to have a renter and it's going to make X amount, which is far above what a lot of the real estate invest investing groups essentially tell you bare minimum to look for in terms of investing. So um, it was going to do well for itself, for sure. So, um, you know. And he, what was the strategy for yeah. the Baltimore property? The Baltimore property is a midterm rental. And um, it was more going to be for a, rent, a rental for traveling nurses. Which also, once again, now, see, now you have that beach vacation property where people aren't really vacationing or they're just kind of scared to kind of go anywhere. Then on the flip side, you ended up going with something that was incredibly needed. Baltimore, many of you know that are listening to this, that I work in the medical field. Baltimore is definitely a hub for that. And now, once again, clearly during a pandemic, traveling nurses was incredibly huge. So it was interesting to see then that you ended up picking kind of both sides here of industries, one that was a little unpredictable at that time, and the next, really something that you're able to move forward with. So that's actually very unique. So... We now found that property, and when you said you found it, was it on, and you found both properties, 
Were they on the market, off the market? On the market properties. Both of Both? them were on the market. Yes. Okay. So then the property in Baltimore was on the market. You clearly then brought that to your team's attention. Can mm -hmm. you tell me a little bit more about, because I like the idea of what you found here. Usually then when you're looking, if you don't know the location, like your, your situation mm -hmm. in Myrtle Beach, when you don't know location, you have to then rely on finding your broker, your mortgage guy, your woman, your attorney, all of that separately. And it's a little bit more daunting because it's an area you don't know. But you right. found a way to really have a team. So by really making one contact, you were able to bring in everybody else. Exactly. So how did that help you in the situation of Baltimore that you never even mm -hmm. been to before? Yeah, so I think it helped me because it gave me those, you know, feet on the street, as they call it. Um, and it, without a having ever gone on the street, <laughs> a, you know, what it did was it gave me a bit of a built in network so that I didn't individually have to go and seek that out. I also at this point had some learnings, even though it was such a short amount of time from Myrtle Beach on things like, you know, just inspector and making sure I separate. So although I did rely on my team, I did go outside for certain things and did research things like an inspector and independent, <laughs> making sure I had an independent inspection, which is not something that I did in Myrtle Beach, you know, so yeah. So what made you decide, and I have to say, I kind of know the answer to this, but what made you decide that the inspector was one of the people, one of the vendors that you wanted to find outside of the team that you were working with? Yeah. So I think I made a mistake of, of, you know, allowing my real estate agent in Myrtle Beach to suggest or recommend an inspector. And I just think sometimes there could be an appearance of impropriety of some sort. So essentially, yeah. maybe these people might have more dealings with each other on a regular basis. Um, mm -hmm. The inspection was not as thorough as what it should have been. And I like to say that I have the most expensive like water closets. And <laughs> I had to replace Every single the HVAC system in Myrtle Beach, I had to replace the hot water heater, the oh. washer dryer, and in a true like a really good inspection would have revealed the issues that were going on with that at the time, and then I would have negotiated accordingly. So because I knew that, I wanted to be sure that where it was appropriate, I had some separation. So I felt like my interests were being represented. I really actually like that idea. And you're right, especially when you didn't meet kind of anybody in this situation, you weren't, and you were relying on other people to present this property to you and be your eyes and ears and boots on the ground and all those other things. It's really, I like the idea of not then saying, oh, well, this is our inspector. This is the guy we always work with. This is the guy that we use. That then there could be a little underhanded, hey, let's just, you know, we want to make sure we get it sold. So, you know, this is how this is going to work. Mm -hmm. So I like the idea. And in some situations, paying that extra bit of money for that right evaluation to have somebody that's not, that has no interest, right? right. We're not, it's not like, oh, well, now that I told her the truth about the property, this realtor is never going to do business with me again. That's the whole point of an inspector is to really have somebody guide you and be unbiased in that situation. So I'm glad you did that then on the Baltimore property, mm -hmm. but I know you encountered some issues with that property. Mm -hmm. 
So why don't you dive into that? Yeah. So the property, and again, this isn't what I, I wouldn't know. The I wouldn't have known. The property was renovated and it's a great house. It looks, it's a beautiful house, actually. Um, my inspection, the inspector was shocked at how clean that inspection was. He said, you very rarely okay. see this. In a 1920s house that was gut renovated, everything was brought to the 2000s in terms of codes, like everything, whoever renovated this house, he said, did an amazing job. Mm -hmm. um, so, and I do think so. I think it's sound. I think it's great. The issue is that what I didn't know is I did not know the neighborhood. I gotcha. didn't know that, you know, you can have a great house there and your house could be great, but the neighborhood may not be great. And the problem with that is you're renting it out into that level of market. And at that price point, people are coming like me who have never been there and they're coming here and they have an expectation that yeah. they would be safe. You know, um, there are, they also have an expectation. The issue is I think some of the houses there are bit boarded up and vacant because people will buy a contract on a property and just hold it. Someone said to me, they said a lot of this here is, and they didn't know at this time that I lived in California. It's all these California buyers. <laughs> all these places here, uh -huh. they don't care. They're not taking care of their properties. They just buy it and they're just essentially holding it, paying the taxes and waiting for, I don't know. I don't exactly. Know. And listen, this happens one, I think I remember reading a report that here in New York that there's just the same kind of thing in the city that they're, that most of the owners are corporations, um, which really LLCs for foreign investors, people that never visit the property and they usually just wait and they just kind of park their money there for some tax benefits and then collect on appreciation when they then sell the property in a couple of years. Or especially with Baltimore, and I went to undergrad down in D.C., and mm -hmm. I had friends and very that lived in Baltimore, so I would go up to that area often. Mm -hmm. I wish we'd connected then. I would have the end because the uh, because I remember that this couple they bought a house mm -hmm. and it was it was a it was a fixer upper right. They were a younger couple. That was their plan. They bought this gorgeous townhouse and were doing all this work on it. But oh my God, there were certain streets that I was like, you can't. And I listen. I've lived in some neighborhoods between the South Bronx, <laughs> between yeah. where I live in Yonkers. But right. where I was like in Baltimore, but their house was gorgeous. Right. But there was, I remember that there was nobody else on the street. All mm -hmm. of the houses were abandoned properties. Yep. And you would be looking online because they, same thing, they rented out like some of the rooms. You'd be looking at their listing mm -hmm. and it was gorgeous, but they didn't yes. give you any pictures of what the neighborhood looked like. So now yeah. it was like, how are you going to get top dollar when people don't even feel comfortable coming inside the house? But yet- Right. It's freshly painted and has stainless steel appliances and granite countertops, but you can't, you don't feel safe going outside. That's right. That's right. So in that sense, I think it's super important to have some knowledge of the area if you're going to be long-term investing. Yeah. Um, and then I think the other piece though, that's really important besides having some knowledge, I think you've got to know your consumer. So, you know, mm -hmm. this place may be fine for a local person that, um, lives in the area, let's say very familiar with the area, they might be yeah. okay with it, but to bring a traveling nurse in from, a place for, to your point, someone that may not even have ever lived in us in a city. Yeah. <laughs> you know, 
let alone, you know, a big city or a city with, you know, where they could have an expectation of properties that are abandoned. That mm -hmm. might definitely have, um, that might have an effect on your bottom line for sure. No, and that does make a difference because then what the worst case scenario, especially last year, nurses were able to pick up different positions. They needed to be able to travel. They needed to really go. And our essential workers really carried us through this time period. So all of a sudden, then if you have then someone that comes into a place that doesn't feel comfortable there, that contract's going to end. You're losing on that money. We know that anytime there's turnover between any type of tenants, that's really where a lot of your costs are incurred. Mm -hmm. So now you have someone that comes there and feels that either the space is misrepresented or depending on how your contract's set up, if it was with the nurse itself, that might make a difference. But if it was with a organization that was placing those nurses there, that's going to really change the, the, that company from really doing business with you as a whole. And they're going to be in a much better position to also get themselves out of that contract with you, right? Mm -hmm. So you could really be setting yourself up for some very costly mistakes there. Exactly. So what were you able to do in that situation mm -hmm. to make that profitable? Once again, you talked mm -hmm. about how that was that you're, and I like that you mentioned this, when you have more than one property and it's that business formation, exactly. One property happens to be producing a little bit better. It kind of carries the one that's not producing as much. And that can kind of flip-flop, right? Mm -hmm. Myrtle Beach during the summer, maybe now that carries something over the Baltimore property. So it's kind of nice how that can work out. But what were you able to do to kind of pivot and really get that property in Baltimore up and going? So I think a lot of it was, you know, I had to really, I think what I did in Myrtle Beach isn't necessarily what I did in Baltimore immediately. Myrtle Beach, because I had more knowledge, I was able to be more specific with my expectations of how yeah. I wanted the property to be managed, of where mm -hmm. I wanted the property. I don't think that I had the knowledge at the beginning to do so because quite honestly, the short-term rental market is different from the mid-term rental market, which right. is different from the long-term rental market. Every market is different. So I don't think I had that knowledge at the beginning. So I think this time with Myrtle, it was with um, Baltimore specifically, it was more just saying to my team, okay, here we are, right? I bought this place and of all things, I'm not going back to my husband with egg on my face. because he Nuh -uh. never. <laughs> <laughs> so if I made a colossal mistake, he'll never know. <laughs> it's a good thing he's not in this group. So, uh -huh. <laughs> so essentially I said, you know what? I've got to figure out what I'm going to do here. And then I think with that, I said, you know, the property was renting fine, but because of the vacants, mm -hmm. vacants bring across a certain level of challenges. Okay. So vacants can potentially bring a rodent situation. Yes. I just wanted none of that. I, of all things, am not a slum slumlord. I've had them. And I didn't mm -hmm. want that. I knew who I wanted to be as a landlord and offer like, the best level of service I could possibly give. And I said, what should I do here? I personally decided at some point, I just really prefer the short-term rental market and I prefer to concentrate on my properties in the Carolinas. So mm -hmm. you know, although Baltimore was renting and we had nurses stay and said, thank you for letting us stay, it's great. We also had challenges in terms of, you know, just the situation with the vacants and the neighborhood in general mm -hmm. that just 
aren't as easy to overcome. Um, right. you know, so I decided at that point, you know what, maybe I should go ahead and sell this property and then okay. instead concentrate all of my investments elsewhere, you know, someplace that I know I'll visit maybe yeah. frequently and I can check in on it myself. As I do at Myrtle Beach, I do go and I say, oh, there's a leak here or something. You know, I wanted yeah. that, that ability. And quite honestly, I just don't have a reason to visit Baltimore. I just don't. You know, so mm -hmm. I decided to pivot that way. But again, because of the challenges, it hasn't, it didn't fare too well on the market. So I had to pivot again. And this time I took all my expectations that I had placed with Baltimore, with Myrtle Beach, and really worked with my team in Baltimore to say, all right, what are we going to do differently this time Good. to make this work for all of us? And what did you come up with? you know, expectation setting. It's got to be clear expectations. Here's what I'm looking for. You know, I need, I, I tell me the truth. What can we do about this situation? I'm willing to um, pay X amount to try and remediate it. Um, mm -hmm. Here would be my expectations future state. Maybe monthly we do these sort of checks and, you know, um, because I think that's key, quite honestly. I would admit to a rental, someone's there that long, you do want to make sure someone is checking in to make sure that place is being maintained and it's clean. Absolutely. Um, what I love about my short-term rental, it's always, it's always getting clean. <laughs> yes. Right? With each turnover. And I love that. So it was, let's make sure we put these things in place and let's just kind of really talk about what your expectations are, what are my expectations, and then just let's plan a little bit future state. And with that, is there any advice that you would give to our lady landlords that are using property managers that maybe they're not completely thrilled with, or they're planning on using a property manager, but have concerns about some of the situations that you've actually run into? Mm -hmm. I, I would talk to people. I would talk to other people, talk to me now that you know I'm in a group, <laughs> yeah. you can find me. Um, I would talk to people so that you understand I'm always personally willing to own up to what I consider, and I don't call them failures. I call them learnings, quite honestly, because yes. I have not failed in either of these properties. They're doing fine. Um, however, I think that it's very clear that I think you should talk to people just as I did with you when I took your classes and said, hey, what do you think I should do? Yeah. There were things I didn't know in general, like, well, let me make sure I increase insurance, you know, my insurance in these certain places. I think you talk to people that you trust. I think you set expectations with the property manager. Have a defined set of questions that you ask, you know. Yes. tell them who you are. I think it's important to tell people who you are. You know, listen, I'm a bit anal. This is yeah. what I want to see. This is what I care about because everybody else is different. There's some people that's, I don't want to know anything, you know, Correct. and I want to know, I don't, but I, then I had to realize, I don't think I wanted to know everything. And I was, and at some point I knew too much in Baltimore. I was going to say, I know at one point, and, yeah. and you're right, I think that was, so for our listeners here, Jabrina and I actually met in the group, but then she actually took our intermediate group coaching course, mm -hmm. um, which helps women that are looking to scale their portfolios. And then you were part of our accountability mastermind. Yes. Also where then we were working through the different situations that were actually occurring kind of from that kind of day-to-day -day situation. And I remember yeah. you telling me about a situation where you actually got, even though you had a property manager put in place, mm -hmm. you were getting calls 
from the tenants or you were getting, or it was that you were getting just certain charges that you mm-hmm. felt like were not, that you were like, this was not what we agreed to, not mm-hmm. what I kind of expected. Mm-hmm. And that right. means you kind of have to, once again, realign what, what your expectations are of that property manager, because you were like, the whole reason I have a property manager was that I'm not getting these types of phone calls and questions and blah, blah, right. blah. And that's where you then ended up. Right. Right. And so I'd say that was, that's very much key because again, no matter where you are with both of my property managers, there was still that level of the need to say, let me go back and and set expectations. And even with both of my property managers now, now we have something where we do a debrief after the high season. And, you know, that would look different in Baltimore where, you know, it's not really a high and low season, but that's important because, you know, with them, I'd want to know, well, what should I fix? What should we be thinking about? Hey, I saw this couple of reviews. They were not great. Do we need to change cleaning staff? What should we do about this? You know what I mean? I think it's very important to make sure, but I do think experience sometimes is the best teacher. So you talk to people. I don't think you can substitute that from your, for your own experience, but you've got to research as best as you can and find out. And like I said, and join groups like yours, for sure, the accountability groups where you were always willing to answer any questions, you know, yeah. I think those are key. And that honestly, like that's, that was one of the reasons I started Lady Landlords was just because I was, there were certain situations that I kept coming across that I was just like, how am I supposed to handle this? Or like, wow, now that I figured it out, I want to make sure that another person doesn't have that problem, right? And there are so many situations that can come up with us as landlords. If you are self-managing, if you have a property manager, all of those things, there are always different situations that you can't read out of a book right? Because that book would be, I don't even know how many pages, right? Right. So it does help to be able to have a community or even a small group like we did in the accountability group, where then you could say, hey, what is the best way to handle this situation? How can I move forward? How can I fix this? What should this look like? And really gain experience from other people that have been there, done that. Yes, your path is then still your path. You were then the one have to make the decisions. You were the CEO of your portfolio, for sure. But when you have that research and that knowledge from other people that have been there and done that, you now are can be more confident that you are taking the best possible situation and route forward based right. on what you've already learned, rather than just being like, I don't know, I guess let's try this and see what happens. Right. <laughs> you know, right. I th- I'm proud of you for leaping and saying, let me get out of the analysis paralysis. I'm going to buy these properties. I'm going to buy them sight unseen, team unmet. on the other side of the country. And yes, you will always have those learning experiences and you'll have to tweak these things and say that I'm never gonna do again. This I'm definitely doing again. But then it's really just always being in that constant learning situation. So that way you can make the best possible choices for you and your business. And I think that's what you've done. Absolutely, yes. Yep. Good. (laughs) So for any of our lady landlords that are sitting there being like, I would love to be able to invest out of state but I just can't get past like my fears over it. What would you say to that lady out there right now? I would definitely say, I would say do it. However, I would say don't leap. (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't say don't leap blindly. I would say peek over the edge first. (laughs) I'd say peek over the edge. I'd say do your research. And I'd say know something or someone that knows 
um, more than you essentially about that area, about real estate investing in general and yeah. talk to them. Reach out and talk to them. Ask as many questions as you can possibly think of and develop a relationship where yeah. you can always go back. I mean, I recently asked you questions and I know I can always come back and say, hey, I yeah. have a question. Can you help me with this? So I think it is about that. And I think that's what the Lady Landlords Group is about. So definitely, I would say do it. For me, I, I think the most more important point is most people would know this in California, the real estate is very expensive here. Right. Real estate investing in California looks very different than real estate investing in South Carolina. So, you know, there are tons of out-of-state investors, but again, you want to make sure you do your proper research first. Absolutely. So research first, then be willing to, to actually take those steps and go for it, ladies. Be Debrina, open. be mm -hmm. open. I love it. <laughs> Debrina, thank you so much for joining us today and just sharing your story and what you've been through over just a year, really that you've been investing now, just over a year now when we're recording this. So I cannot wait to see what you do next. You know my email, you know you can always reach out to me and I'm happy to hear what's going on and talk through situations with you. So don't hesitate to reach out. But thank you very much for coming on today. I'm sure a lot of the ladies when we post this will have some questions for you in the group to follow up with. So thank you for being here today. Thanks, Becky. Thank you, everyone. Ladies, I will see you back in the Lady Landlords Facebook group and back next Tuesday for our next episode of the Lady Landlords podcast. Well, I hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, please do me a favor and leave a five-star review for the Lady Landlords podcast. This helps make sure to share a message with others that can use the similar information. Thank you very much for helping grow our community. Remember, there's a new episode every single Tuesday, and I'll see you back in the Lady Landlord's Facebook group.